So I've got a few announcements we're going to roll through really quick. In a perfect world. So we have our next men's group tomorrow night, 6.30 here at the barn. So tomorrow night, 6.30 here at the barn. We have our next women's group this coming Thursday night at 6.30 here at the barn. Woo! How come none of the men did that? All right, so here's our first bad news. I think all of you know, but ramp for the youth has been canceled for this week. So just in case it hadn't gotten around to those that are going, ramp has been canceled this week. Boo. Boo. No, not a yay. It's not a yay. Here's the good news. Because ramp's been canceled, we're having church next weekend. Yeah. Woo. Um, and because Rams canceled, we were going to skip youth on the 26th, which is a week from this Thursday, but we will have normal youth this uh, week from this Thursday on the 26th at 7 o'clock here at the church. So there's a silver lining to some of these things. Um, we may not be able to go to Ramp and experience this thing we thought we were going to get to experience, but because we're not, we get to have church and we get to have youth again. So we're going to look at the silver lining. We have a new youth logo, and I want to give a special thanks to Miss Wiki back here for helping us create our new youth logo. Her nickname's Wiki, but she really likes if you call her Wikipedia. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself. I think the, the next worship and prayer night will be the first Thursday. So this coming Thursday is going to be women's group. The next Thursday is youth. And then the Thursday after that, which is the 2nd of April, will be our next worship and prayer night. So we're just staying on that Thursday night theme. So our next harvest at the table. If you guys have not filled out the survey we sent online, please fill it out. Um, we've had about 12 people fill it out as of this morning. So we had way more than 12 people here, and I would like to get as much data as possible before we make decisions. I will tell you there's a couple of themes that have evolved out of those 12 people. Probably going to go to doing it once every three months instead of once a month. That is a big theme amongst the people who have answered so far. We're probably going to go to doing it um, once a month instead of once every, I'm sorry, once every three months instead of once a month. Um, the other theme is that we're probably going to include worship of some sort. In with it, there was a felt there was a little bit of a lacking that we needed to have at least worship. So we're still working on it. But if you guys will fill out the survey, I'll send it out again this week on text and it's on our Facebook page. If you'll fill out the survey, it's going to give us the data we need to be able to figure out how to move forward on that. Does that make sense? I'm glad everybody's so alive and excited this morning. If you're not on our texting system, simply send. Yes, sir. So just a second ago, I said, I'm going to send out the survey again tomorrow. <laughs> okay, just to be clear, we'll send the survey out again tomorrow so Aaron can fill it out. If you're not on our texting system, just send me a text. to my That's my phone number. Just send me a text. I'll add you to the texting system. So... This morning, we've got some guest speakers that are going to speak, but before we do that, I've got a little rant that I need to go on, and I'm going to try to do it without getting angry, but this week has made me borderline angry all week. Have any of you guys felt the tension, the anger, just being frustrated? My tension and anger, your own tension and anger. If you've been around me, you probably felt my tension and anger. People at the wedding yesterday felt it. So I'm going to start out with some statistics, and I know we're sick of hearing about this, right? Are you sick of hearing about it, or are you going to hear about it? As of this morning, worldwide, there are 162,501 cases of coronavirus. 6,068 have died. That's tragic, right? So that's over a four- or five-month span, so let's multiply that by three to get a year. That means roughly 18 to 20,000 people if the same rate continues, will die this year, and that's terrible. That's worldwide. 20,000, keep that number in your head. We're going high on that. Keep that number in your head. Flu kills anywhere from 291,000 to 646,000 people worldwide per year. Okay, so everybody's heard that comparison all week, and they're sick of that. I got some other comparisons. 
506,000 people will die this year from suicide. Why aren't we freaking out about that? 8,660,000 babies have died from January to now with abortion. Why aren't we raising Cain about that? I told you I was going to get fired up. I hope this is righteous anger. February 10th, February 10th. Does anybody know what February 10th was? Besides John's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy belated birthday, John. Anybody know what else February 10th was except for one of the coolest days in history? <laughs> Preceded three days before the coolest day. <laughs> February 10th was the worst day so far of people dying from coronavirus. 108 people died on February 10th. So 108 people died in one day, and that's the worst so far. 26,283 people died the same day of cancer. 24,641 died the same day of heart disease. 4,300 people died the same day of diabetes. You get where I'm going with this? This is, this is out of control, and it's ridiculous. Why aren't we freaking out about these other numbers that are drastically higher? Because of the unknown? Because we don't know? Anybody remember all these other viruses, SARS, H1N1? Oh, by the way, that killed a lot more people at this point than coronavirus. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So 108 people died that day. Suicide took 28 times more people that day. Mosquitoes killed 2,740 people that day. 108 people died from coronavirus, 2,740 people died from mosquitoes. This is ridiculous. Humans killed 1,300 other humans that day. Why aren't we freaking out about that? Snakes killed 137 people that day. Run and hide, shut the door. Snakes are on the loose. They killed more people than coronavirus on February 10th. I'm pretty sure Sharknado probably killed more people. <laughs> so where did all this madness start? Where did it start? I'm not talking about conspiracy. I'm talking about where did it literally start on, say, Tuesday-ish? Well, Parker's got a good answer. It started with Adam and Eve when they ate the apple and the fruit. <laughs> good answer, buddy. It all started when a major sporting organization decided to do something radical and cancel their season because one and then the next day two players had the virus. And then everything that happened was just a domino effect led by sporting events. Think about that. Sporting is what caused this hysteria in the United States. Where am I going with this? Guys, this should be a time that the church shines. There is chaos. Have you ever in your lifetime, those outside of Jeff being 75, he's probably seen a lot of chaos in his lifetime. Have you that are younger than Jeff seen this much chaos at one time in your life? Anybody? No. This should be the time that we shine. This should be the time that we're stepping up and teaching people about fear. Why do we talk so much about fear? Why have we taught so much about that in the last year? Maybe it's because we were preparing for this day. We are the ones, and I'm challenging everyone here, we are the ones that need to stand up and help fight fear, teach people to fight fear. Faith is the opposite of fear in this, in this scenario. If people are running and hiding, and I get it, you guys are here, you're not running and hiding. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for not caving to the fear to the point you didn't show up for church. But if we have faith and we want to show a broken world faith, how's running from everything going to show them that? We know the scripture. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Okay, we've got to balance those. If I'm going to have love, then I can't go tell everyone who I think is an idiot right now they're an idiot, right? That's not love. I'm just being honest with where I am. Power. We talked about power last week. We have access to power. Power to heal people with coronavirus. Power to withstand fear. 
Sound mind. Are people acting with a sound mind? Anybody been to Walmart in the last 72 hours? Are people acting with a sound mind? I don't know because I haven't been. Okay? I mean, if people find out snakes killed 137 people that day, they're going to really freak out. I don't know where they're going to go. The other scripture we know is perfect fear is, ca- our fear is cast out by per- God's perfect love. So maybe we need to teach people this stuff right now. How to live in this chaos with power, with love, and with a sound mind. It doesn't mean that we're not cautious. Please don't misunderstand me. Maybe we need to be teaching people that God's perfect love is going to cast out fear. We need to teach people to bind up fear instead of being bound up by fear. Because that's what's happened this week. Right? i got a few more points and I'm done. I want to be clear. I'm not telling you to not be cautious. If I know you have the flu, I'm not going to come within six feet of you. So I'm not asking you to run out and be stupid. You know, that NBA player that has this, he was at a press conference. And he, I don't know, maybe some of you have seen this video. And they said, do you have coronavirus? He said, yes. And then he went to get up and he went, touched everything and ran out of the room. That's stupid. We can't do those sorts of things. So I'm not saying don't be cautious. I'm just saying there's no data to support the mass hysteria that we're seeing. And we need to be the ones that stand up. Think about this. Why are churches closing their doors right now? Beyond fear. It's obviously fear. But what's the, what's the reason they're giving? Crowds? Can't have a crowd, right? Can't have over 250 people. What has this caused? Everybody's going to Walmart and Kroger and Food City. How many people are standing around you this close in line for an hour or two? We're doing the exact thing that we're trying not to do. And I'm sorry I'm getting fired up. I've been waiting for this moment all week. What else are we doing? The elderly are not going to get out of their car and they're the most effective out of this virus. They're not going to get out of their car and go into Walmart and stand in front of all these people. They're either feeble and can't or they don't want to catch something and be around this big crowd. Maybe they have a little bit more common sense. So guys, as Christians, we need to be helping those people. We need to be stepping up and showing love and power and sound mind by getting out there and helping these people that can't help themselves. And I'm not dogging anybody that ran to Walmart this week. I appreciate that my wife was willing to do that and take that sacrifice for our family. (laughs) Churches. This is the saddest point of the discussion. Churches are closing all over Blount County today. Are you kidding me? I thought we said we were hospitals. Isn't that what we say? We're hospitals. We're hospitals for the spiritually sick. Hospitals aren't closing because of a virus scare. But churches are closing. This is crazy. Anybody alive and remember 9-11? Somebody that was alive and remembers 9-11. What was the biggest fear? It was chaos. For the first time, for the first time, American soil had been a terrorist attack. I mean, a giant terrorist attack. Planes running into buildings. You think people weren't freaking out for you that weren't around then? And they were Muslims. So Muslims are going to kill all the Christians. They're going to target our churches and our sporting events and all that. And they cancel sporting events all over the nation. I remember Tennessee-Florida game got canceled, delayed till December of that year. But you know what happened that day? Every church in the city I lived in opened their doors and said, come pray. I'm not dogging these churches. It's their prerogative what they want to do. But in a time of chaos, the church needs to stand up, and that's every one of us. We have to stand up. Not and argue, not and get mad. We have to stand up and teach people to fight fear. You know, I was thinking, what, what would Paul say right now? So Paul would write letters off into churches, right? I heard you were doing this. I heard... In Corinth, I heard you're allowing these people in or doing all these sexual sins. You're not supposed to do that. And what did he do? He corrected them. What do you think he'd say right now? I heard a rumor you closed your doors because of fear. I want you to think about that. What would he say? This is, this is nuts. So, I'm going to finish with this. I have toilet paper. We have plenty of it. If you need toilet paper, give me a holler. Justin and Robin bought a gigantic case for our thing last weekend, so we got plenty for everybody. Oh, maybe that's what we should be doing as Christians is sharing our stuff, too, instead of just running and hoarding it. 
couple of scriptures have come to mind this week that have changed the way I've thought about them. There's a scripture, and I'm going to paraphrase them. It says, people perish for lack of knowledge. And I always thought that meant Jesus knowledge. I always thought that meant scripture knowledge. And I'm starting to realize it's much bigger than that. People perish for lack of knowledge. There's also a scripture that says, in the last days, we will experience off the charts selfishness. And I think we're seeing it. So I don't know whose fault this virus is. I don't know if the government put it out there, if China put it out there, if the U.S. planted it so China would put it out there. I don't know if God allowed it. All I know that in 19 years I've seen a drastic shift in the church I'd hoped I'd never see. You know, you read in Chronicles or wherever about these kings, and a king would be devoted to God, would be a man of God, and the people of Israel would be blessed. And then what would happen with the next king? Often. Turns God, turns away from God, and all of Israel suffers. Generation to generation, this flip-flopped throughout history. And I think we've just watched in 19 years, roughly a generation, we've gone from a church that opened its doors in chaos and fear to churches that closed their doors. So I just want you to know where I stand. <laughs> because I'm your leader, and I think you need to know where we stand. I will not cave to fear of this virus. If people start dying in mass quantities that disrupt these figures, I might change my stance on if I'm going to go out in public, but these doors will be open. I will pray over people who have the virus. There's health officials all over here that you talk to them, and they think it's already been here. How many people have flu-like symptoms? It's not the flu, right? And we know in your Lysol bottle it says human coronavirus. I get this is a different strain. That's not the point. We will fight fear. We will continue to fight fear with you. We will be here for you. We're not running and closing doors and hiding. That's my commitment to you. I don't know who started it. I don't know if it's a government conspiracy. I don't know if it's God testing us to see how the church will respond. But we're going to stand firm. Today is a national day of prayer. I'm not getting into political games here, but a president who's willing to stand up and say we're going to have a national day of prayer is getting blamed for all this crap. I'm going to honor that today by having us all pray. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And before we pray, I'm actually going to ask John. John had something on his heart I'm going to ask him to share this morning. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, just thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together as a body. Um, just unite us here together in that oneness with you. And just allow us uh, spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear what you want to see and hear and, and a heart to receive it. Lord, um, like your scripture says there in Timothy, you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but you give us a spirit of power and love and, and self-control. Lord, just, um, just help us stay focused upon you and, uh, and just do a mighty work in each one of our hearts and lives here today. And pray that you go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Lord, um, I hope I can read this. I, I'm getting to where I need glasses to read, and I don't have my glasses. So anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, two this morning, um, there in Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 25. Um, working in a hospital, uh, it's like the last two or, th two or three days have been crazy. I mean, people are just... You know, freaking out, and everybody's walking around with their N95 mask and their suits on, you know, and, and you know, you just, I work with a lot of non-believers, of course, I guess like any job, but, um, but just the fear and the worry and the anxiety that, you know, that everyone has is just kind of overwhelming. I got home last night, and more I thought about it, you know, they're just... Uh, it's just it's bothersome, but um, I woke up at two this morning. Lord laid the scripture on my heart there, you know. And in, in Matthew chapter six, starting at twenty-five, He says, "I tell you, don't don't worry about your life, about um, having something to eat or drink or wear. Isn't life in, um, more important than food or clothing? Look at the birds of the air; they don't plant or harvest. They don't even uh, store grain in their barns." Yet your Father in heaven takes, takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can worry make you live longer? Why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They don't work hard to make their clothes, but I tell you, it's Solomon with all his wealth and splendor 
uh, wasn't as well clothed as, as one of them. God gives um, such beauty to everything that grows in the fields. Even though it's here today and gone tomorrow and then thrown in the fire, God will surely do even more for you. Why do you have such little faith? Don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God worry about these such things. Um, your Father in Heaven knows all your needs. Um, but more than anything else, put God's work first and do what He wants. Then other things will work as well. Um, and that's just a reminder to me that, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the, the anxiety and the fear and the worry, the, the stuff that's going around us. But um, again, just keep our eyes focused on the Lord and and stay yoked up with him. Um, his burn's light and easy. Thanks. Thank you, John. So I'm going to start us out in a prayer. And then when I end, I'm just going to be silent. And I want anyone in here that wants to pray just to pray out loud. Okay? So we're going to honor this National Day of Prayer to lift up our country to lift with the people that have the virus, whatever God puts on your heart. So, Father, I come to you, and I thank you once again. I thank you once again that you've given us a place that we can come worship you without fear. I thank you that you've brought people here today that either don't have fear or overcame fear. I thank you for each one of them and how they're fighting fear. And Father, I pray that as we go out into this world this week, we will be the ones that bring the calm. We will be the ones that show power and a sound mind and love. God, I pray that everyone in this room and everyone across the church in America, whether they're meeting today or not, I pray that Christians will rise up. Rise up in the name of Jesus. I want someone who's scared to death to look at me, Father, and say, why is he so calm? Why is he not bothered? Because that's the time we can tell them about you, Father. So I pray for that boldness in this congregation and across the United States, across the world. As people gather today as a national day of prayer. We know the more people pray and the more angels you send to flight. So send ministering angels, Lord. Send angels of protection. Father, I pray over my family and this congregation that no one in here would get this virus in the name of Jesus. But I also trust in your healing power, Jesus. I've seen you heal bigger things than a simple virus. So we will claim that healing power over anyone we come in contact with. And I will not be afraid that I've accidentally shook the hand of the wrong person or been too close in line or had a co-worker that might have it. Father, today we bind up fear in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that our nation would humble itself. Maybe that's what you're doing, Father. Maybe you're bringing us to this point. And I pray right now when people don't know what to do, they'll turn to you, Father, just like we did in other tragedies. Tragedy usually brings the church closer together. So, Father, I pray for the churches that have caved to this fear, the church that says, I can't have more than 250 people, but yet they're willing to go weed in a crowd of 3,000 at Walmart. Father, help me not to judge them. You know, I heard, just Father, I thank you for a church in California that John was telling me about this morning. The way they're tackling this, the government says you can't have more than 250 people. They put 249 chairs in their auditorium, and they're going to have multiple services. Praise you, God, for that church. And I pray for a blessing over that pastor for having the courage to do that. And I pray that other churches around here would rise up and do the same thing. Maybe we need to be having church all day long with multiple small congregations. So, Father, convict the hearts of those that are caving to this fear that should be the ones teaching us. And, Father, I pray that, and I'm praying to not be judgmental, and it's hard. But, Father, convict their hearts to stand up. Father, I pray for our nation. I pray for our leaders. This is unprecedented. So, Father, I can't imagine what the Donald Trumps and the Vice President Pence and all these other people that we don't know their names, that are making very crucial decisions. Father, please give them wisdom to know exactly what to do, not only to fight the virus, but to calm people in this nation. 
before the riots, before the looting, before the absolute craziness happens. And Father, I just pray that everyone in here, no matter what happens this week, no matter where this goes and escalates to, will come back to no fear. No fear. Your perfect love cast out my fear. So Father, fill me, fill my family, fill our church family, fill all Christians all over the world with your perfect love in a mighty way that we will stand up in this time of crisis, Lord. And I thank you for our leaders. I thank you for a president that's trying to bring prayer back into schools. I'm not going to sit here and argue if he's perfect or not. I just thank you for a man that's been bold in bringing your name back into government. Father, bless him and bless his family. Protect him. Protect all of our leaders in government. Even the ones we disagree with, protect them, Father. Help them to make wise decisions. Help them not to manipulate bills and use this as an opportunity to sneak things in. We've seen it all week long. And Father, I pray that you convict them, these very people that say they're Christians, but they're using this as an opportunity. Father, please stop them from what they're doing. And heal our country. Bring people closer to you in a radical way that's not happened before. Let this be a time that we look back and say, man, you remember coronavirus of 2020? Yeah, that's when the revival broke out. That's when the revival broke out because people stood up for Jesus and his healing power and against fear. Satan's probably number one weapon. So we bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus and tell you to leave this alone. Father, today I just pray that you're glorified. And the churches that have opened the doors for you, Lord, that you would bless them. Father, I pray that you're glorified in the churches that are still doing it through live stream. Please bless them for not completely shutting down, Father. Father, help us fight our fears. Paul said boldly to live as Christ and to die as gain. Let us live every day during this crisis with that attitude, to live as Christ. To live, we get to teach people. To live, we get to give them hope. We get to teach them how to fight fear. Let us have that enthusiasm. But God, if it's my time to die as gain, I'm not scared of death either. Now we bind up a spirit of death that's trying to come over this nation. We bind up a spirit of chaos that's coming over this nation. And we bind up fear that's coming over this nation. We bind you in the name of Jesus and tell you to leave. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Okay. Is it on? So, I don't know if, how many of you guys personally know Jeff and Sue, but if you personally don't know them, you need to get to know them. Um. I don't know, they can tell you this fact, I don't know this fact, but they should have been living in Israel several years ago, and uh, God kept both of them here, and what you guys probably don't realize is they don't just minister in the U.S., God calls them to other countries, and people pay for them to go minister to them, high-level people, so... We need to thank the Lord every time that we get to have them here at our church and praise the Lord, and we need to get to know them because um, they are mine and Jason's mentors, and there is a wealth of knowledge in these two. And so they're going to be the ones speaking today, and I just want you guys to give them both a big hand. I'm extremely grateful for their friendship and for what they've taught um, me and Jason and our boys. We feel extremely blessed that they come here to church and they consider this one of their home churches. So um, today I'm going to introduce Jeff and Sue. No, because I'm just going to read a scripture and then hand the uh, mic over to Jeff, okay? Okay. So, uh, is Jason here? Yeah. Did you download the Charity James song? Okay. We might want to do that. So, um, in light of what, thank you for your word this morning, Jason, okay? Yeah, thank you. Um, that's, that was needed, and uh, I want to thank you for your stand for the Lord. 
there's never anything we do for God that doesn't come without a price. And so we've been used to drive through Christianity, which doesn't work. And that's why our churches are powerless, to be honest. So in Second Chronicles, in verse 7, the scripture says, Adonai appeared to Solomon at night. And he said to him, this is with the dedication of the temple right about that time. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself, for a house of sacrifice. Listen to this. God said, if I shut up heaven and there is no rain. How many of you have heard of droughts and fires in nations this summer? Or if I command the locust to devour the land. How many of you have heard about those locusts that are going through the Middle East? Just eating up everything in sight, eating up crops. Or if I send pestilence among my people, what are we, uh, what are we doing right now? I mean, what's going on? Maybe this coronavirus is being a little bit um, overkill, but it seems to have touched people, and i got to wonder what else is going on. What's underneath all of this? Because something's happening. There's a war in the heavens. And if you've missed it, you need to get your heads out of the sand because you're Christians. It's time that we stood up. We got our heads out of the sand. This isn't all nice, easy, blah, blah, blah stuff that we've been privileged to have because in that blah, 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 comfortable place, we've lost the power of God. I mean, be honest. We have. How many dead have you raised? How many people have we pulled out of wheelchairs? And now we have this plague that's threatening us, so to speak. But the bigger thing is, we're on lockdown. That's the bigger thing. And why are they locking us down? What's going on? Need to do some research. Need to get on the internet and figure it out because the news is not telling you the truth. All right, that's my rant for the day. Okay. When my people over whom my name is called, that's us. And every other person who calls themselves in the name of Christ, that's what Christian means, one of Christ's people, or Yeshua's, as I prefer to call him, because that's his Hebrew name. Which, by the way, if you have a stubborn demon who won't listen to the name of Jesus, because there's a lot of false Jesuses that show up, you may try the name Yeshua, because the devils always listen to Yeshua, Okay? All right, so anyway, that's just a little tidbit. When my people over whom my name is called, they humble themselves and pray and seek my face. But this is an important part, and this is what Jeff is going to talk about. Turn from their evil ways. Folks, we've got a lot of stuff in our life that's evil. We live in an evil world. And I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and then what? Heal their land. Do you know in the Midwest in the last year, there have been two years in a row floods that have absolutely decimated our farmlands, have taken our surplus grain down the river, have killed off thousands and tens of thousands of our food, animals? Have we seen that on the news? Heal our land. Now the good part is, if you read about the tribes in uh, Exodus, the Israelites, they were protected, weren't they? They had the blood of the lamb over their doorpost, and the angel of death couldn't touch them. They obeyed God. And what does that mean in our world today? What is obedience? Oh, I forgot something here. Wait. He's looking at me because Jeff and I have a tension between us, okay? Yes. He's a, here, let me talk in this. He's a... <laughs> Jeff has a very strong prophetic anointing, very strong. If any of you are around him, you know that. And a prophet is going to take the mountain. I'm not calling him a prophet in the office of a prophet, but he's pretty darn close. A prophet's going to take the mountain, and he don't care who comes with him. It just doesn't matter. Okay? But a pastor, and I kind of rate high on that side, a pastor's just like, oh, let's just get all the sheep. Let's not hit them over the head. Let's make sure we don't wound them. And a prophet's like, ah, bam, ah. Don't you know Jesus is coming back with a rod of iron this time? And I'm there, yeah, but don't kill the sheep, you know. So we have this little tension between us. 
However, his words are anointed and full of fire. Okay, okay, she's warned you. <laughs> uh, good, good word, Jason. Reminds me of, um, I've been a licensed pilot for 45 years, flown over a half a million miles. And before the age of technology, before I'd go fly in someplace, I would call the pilot's weather center get a weather briefing. And it's kind of like the news today. They would say, well, you know, there's a little cloud over there. That's not too far from where you're going to, where your destination is. But you know it could get bigger. And if it gets bigger, then there's going to be lightning, and there's going to be hail, and there's going to be... And more times than not, I'd hang up the phone and I wouldn't go flying. So, is that fear? It's healthy precaution. But there's times when I probably could have flown and didn't. So, repentance. You know, why are so many churches closing down? Are they closing down because they don't have anything except loud music? One of my favorite terms is <laughs> the good ship, HMSS, Human Manufactured Sensory Stimulus. Most churches today wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if he blew the roof off the building. All they know is sensory stimulus. And those churches are closing down. This church isn't. Perfect love casts out all fear. So what is perfect love? What does Jesus say about love? If you love me, you'll obey me. You'll keep my commandments. There's a bunch of them. Wrapped up pretty simply. Love one another. Love me. But one of the scriptures that just sticks with me and has always stuck with me, you know, and I listen to and I read scripture, I look at, okay, so here's, here's somebody of authority. Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's, who else would be of authority? Let's say the president or, you know, the president's guy that's talking about all these restrictions and stuff, and he's the medical expert. And then there's somebody over here that might be, you know, lower down in the government. And he's saying something, he has authority. But who am I going to listen to? The person with greater authority or the person with lesser authority? Not a trick question. <laughs> so Jesus said a couple of interesting things. And this is, this is what sticks with me. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to eternal life. And those who find it are few. So in my real basic understanding, and Jason, I think, would affirm this today. When you see the crowds doing one thing, you better do the opposite. So when the crowds aren't going to church, when the crowds are closing their doors, we do the opposite. Kind of sounds like the narrow way to me. Sue told me, don't pull out the sword. So John the Baptist, you know, I love doing biblical research. Here's Zechariah and Elizabeth. Right? Zechariah is one of the priests. He goes into the temple, and he 
does the incense offering, experiences the Spirit of God, comes out, and he's mute, can't talk. Elizabeth is pregnant, has a son. His name is John, Yochanan, in Hebrew. So he's the son of a high priest. Not a high priest, but one of the priestly families. And he winds up out in the desert calling people to repentance. By the way, this is the cousin of Jesus. Um, And what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? He kind of referred back to the book of Malachi, that before the great and terrible day of the Lord would come, Elijah would come to bring people to repentance. And in a way, John the Baptist was. But the great and terrible day of the Lord hasn't come yet. And so there's going to be another John the Baptist or Elijah spirit that's going to bring people into repentance. Now, is that convicting a lot of pastors to go open the doors of their churches again? Is that going to be convicting a lot of us of sin in our lives? There's a time back in Israel's history. And this is interesting. God's angry at Israel. And so he tells King David, go take a census. And so King David takes a census. And God's anger is poured out. And he says, okay, because you did that, because you listened to me, and did what I told you to do. You got three choices. And there's three choices of plagues, famine, pestilence that would come on Israel. And King David said, Lord, I throw myself on your mercy. And 70,000 people died because of King David. The scripture says, the innocent sometimes perish with the righteous and the wicked. So what is repentance? And the word of Yahweh came to me saying, son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, And I stretch out my hand against it, destroying its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast. Or if I should send a plague against that country and pour out my wrath and blood, and on a cut off man and beast from it, how much more when I send my four severe judgments against Jerusalem? Sword, famine, wild beast, and plague. That's Ezekiel. And what I just quoted before, Second Samuel 24. And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel because of their sin. And he incited David against them, saying, Go number my people. <laughs> so we need to be very careful who we listen to. Very careful. A lot of fake news out there. So in closing, I'm going to make this very short. If you're flying an airplane, let's say you're piloting your life, and remember the bumper stickers, Jesus is my co-pilot. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. He's either your pilot or he's not. So, where does self-will end and obeying God 
take charge. That's my question for all of you. Now ask yourself that. Where have I been in self-will? And where has that self-will been against the will of God? But if you see a storm coming, turn around. So, uh, thanks. I know, you did good. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yeah, he won. He can always, yeah, he wins. He always wins. So, in the times that we're living in, we can feel the heaviness in the atmosphere, right? I mean, everybody seems to have an edge. Everybody's trying not to be mad or trying to be in a good mood, one of the two, when the unknown is right there. But God didn't call us to live in a place of a rough sea. We're supposed to be good swimmers in that sea, right? I was very privileged to uh, be in Brownsville 25 years ago when they had their revival going on based on repentance. The other thing I want to encourage you with is that you're chosen. If you weren't chosen and God's spirit wasn't on you, you wouldn't even be here today. Okay? And if you're his chosen, you can't get away from him. You can try. Saul ran his whole life, and look what happened to him. Boom. On the road to Damascus, he ended up blind. And then what? He became one of the greatest, um, became Paul, Right? Changed his name, became one of the greatest apostles we've ever known. So each one of you here are chosen by God. You were chosen from before the foundations of the world. You can't lose. The only way you can lose is to turn away from him and run in the other direction. Now let's say what the word repent really means. I want to make this absolutely plain before I play this. Repent simply means turn away from your sin and turn to God. Stop sinning. Period. Steve Hill used to say all the time, hey man, if you're at the beach and you have a thing for women, you have a weakness there, don't go to the beach. Hello. So Paul meant, cut off your right hand, keep your left from sinning, right? Right? So if you have a thing of, oh my gosh, you know where your soft spots are, guys. I know where mine is. We all have one. We all have a place where we just want to do our own thing. We all have, and, and I'm going to tell you what, you're never going to stand before the Lord and have him say, the devil made me do it. Or I never got inner healing. Inner healing is nothing more than turning back to God. If you would stop sinning, you wouldn't need inner healing. To be honest, that's an excuse for many people. And why do, we have, why do we have inner healing? Back in my day, you never even heard of it. Why is it there? Because we live in an evil world and people are more broken in today's generations than they were back then. But I'm going to tell you, I lived with drug addicts. I know, and I've lived with prostitutes. And I know when they made up their mind to come to the Lord and stop sinning, they ended up being preachers and evangelists. So I'm going to tell you, there's nothing you are faced with that you can't step out of. Nothing. Because when you came to Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Why isn't that happening? So we're going to close with this clip. I'm going to let you sit in your seats. And just, uh, if you want to come up front, come up front. But don't feel like you have to because that's what you're going to see these folks doing. But open your hearts to the Lord and let him just move on you today. If there's a place that we need to repent, let's repent and get the evil out of our land so we can pray and get the evil out of the land we're living in. We are here in this generation because God called us for such a time as this. Don't lessen your destiny. Run your race well. Father, help us to break any pride that would keep us from seeing what we need to turn from. Help us. 
Help us, Father, just to turn from any pride. I want to say it again, from any pride that would keep us from being willing to turn to you, to repent from sin, Father. If there's anything that's blocking me from seeing what I need to turn from, please remove that pride in the name of Jesus. Let us see the areas of our lives that we need to turn, that we need to run away from. Like Jeff said, this is a time we're not going to follow the crowd. We're not going to follow the crowd into fear. It's a wide gate into destruction with fear, and we're not going to follow that. So help us to repent from that this week. But Father, in each of our hearts, show us what we need to repent from. Show me what I need to turn from. And Father, this week, I declare I will go to that mountain. I will go to the top of the mountain and fight this fear. And I don't care if anybody comes. I do care. I want everyone to come. But I will go. And I know of at least a dozen people or so that will go with me. And I thank you for that, Father. Jesus only needed a dozen to change the world. So, Father, help us to start this revival. Maybe that's what this is all about. We've been praying for revival, and now's our chance and our time. So, Father, let them see it on us. Jeff and Sue talked about us having an edge, and that edge this week has been towards anger, and I repent of that, Father. But this, this edge has been towards judgment. This edge has been on fear and uncertainty. But let us have a new edge, an edge of confidence, an edge of power. An edge that would draw people to us, not turn them away from us. And Father, please protect each of us that we're not edgy in the wrong way towards each other. Jesus, send us out this week with an attitude of repentance to turn against the fear and go the other way in this time of chaos. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to obey your commands. Thank you for the opportunity to repent. Thank you for the opportunity to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.